Turn with me this evening, please, to Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16, and maybe before we start reading, if Denise will also be needing, if you have handy, the slides of Daniel 2, the man with the head of gold, Daniel 7, the beast, and Daniel 8, the ram and the goat. If you haven't got them, don't worry. If you can, it would be helpful. Revelation chapter 16, please. And beginning to read at verse 12. <clears throat> and the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now in Jesus' name that your presence that that is already evident in our midst, Lord, would increase in the hearts and in the minds of the people you've brought out. Thank you for again filling this house with people giving them the interest and the desire to come in to your house to hear your word and to worship the Lord, to remember him and to praise him on the Lord's day. Father, we ask you now to settle us in your presence. And we ask you now to settle this congregation that the Spirit of God would move and your word would have free course in this place. We pray, Lord, if there is one that would be here that knows not your Son, the Lord Jesus, as their own Lord and personal Saviour, that they would cry for mercy tonight and repent of their sins and be born again of the Spirit, washed in the blood of the Lamb. We pray, Lord, tonight that you would save souls and strengthen your people and encourage them as we watch and wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. These things we ask, Father, Giving you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Just last Sunday evening, the start of the the service or the message, I mentioned the election or the re-election of Barack Obama. I think I shocked a few people by some of the things I said. Pretty strong in my language that how America is going to be cast into turmoil and in trouble because... They seek, they wish, they desire to have things so that they have in the re-election of such a man who is depraved, the man who is for gay marriage and for a man who took the prayer days out of Washington and out of the White House and brought in days of worship and prayer on Fridays to Allah. I also mentioned last week that he is pro-abortion and that this would surely bring judgment upon the United States just as we're having it and will have it upon Great Britain and the United Kingdom. 
Just this week from I have said that, it is now made known, I don't know how many of you are in touch with these things, but 50 states in America have already applied for secession. And if you don't know what that is, they want to come out of from being the United States of America and their government. They want to become independent to totally break up Washington and have no more rule over them. That's in this week alone from the re-election of Barack Hussein Obama. 1,000 points in the first 10 days of his election has been lost on the counter or, on the, or the currency uh, in Wall Street. Everything has plummeted. Everything has dropped from last Sunday. You see, folks, how quick God can bring judgment upon a nation. Do you see how quick, with a prophetic voice, God would send judgment upon the United States and Great Britain? And of course we know that the Lord is still in charge and still in control and still merciful. And that's why he said, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. So that is the answer to our remedy, or the remedy to all of the problems of the United States and also of Great Britain, and of course of Ireland as well tonight. Over the last eight weeks, this is our ninth week, we have shown, according to Scripture and Bible prophecy, the sovereignty of God over the nations. And we have followed the biblical prophetic word, showed you time scales. And people have wondered why by symbology from the book of Daniel, Revelation and other places, Isaiah, why on earth would it matter in our year 2012? And we have tried to show you that prophecy tells us where we are in world history. So you might say, what is prophecy? Well, prophecy is history foretold. In other words, God speaks those things which are not as though they were. God spoke his word, told us, tells us what is to come, what is to pass, and we already are forewarned, so we are forearmed, we are prepared for the coming of the Lord. Prophecy is history foretold. And as history moves on in time, prophecies are fulfilled, so history is prophecy fulfilled. We have looked at the rise and the fall of nations and governments and kings and peoples and empires, how God has allowed one to be raised up and then another one to fall. And we have taken it from antiquity past, even right as far as the Tower of Babel, even to the serpent with Eve who beguiled the woman and the man fell sinning in the garden. Then we had Nimrod, Nimrod building his tower to heaven Babel was the tower, the tower of Babel, which is the abbreviated shortened word or the early word for Babylon. We went into the the, the kingdoms of Babylon in Daniel 2, Daniel 7 and Daniel 8 and we'll touch on it a little later on. And that brings us right up to the day in which we are living in and will bring us right up to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3 And verse 1, listen to what Paul says to Timothy. 
Know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Here are four things to notice about this. First of all, Paul says know this also. We have told you before the word know means to be knowing. Get it into your mind and don't forget it. That's what he's saying. Timothy, what I'm about to tell you, get it into your mind and don't forget it. People in Donacone tonight, get it into your mind and don't forget it. When you go home, don't forget this. When you get up in the morning, don't forget this. Be knowing this gives the idea, be keeping this in your mind. So folks, what you hear tonight again, be keeping it in your mind. When you see the armies encompassing Jerusalem, when you see the world in upheaval, be keeping this in your mind that Christ is near. He's even at the doors. Be ready. Be a people watching and waiting. Be an overcoming body of saints working and laboring for Christ, evangelizing your work colleagues and your neighbors, evangelizing everyone you go, witnessing in your lifestyle and by your walk and your talk that people will see Christ and Christ alone in your life. Be keeping this in your mind. So Paul says, be keeping this in your mind also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. The last days, we told you, were the days of Pentecost, when the 120 were in an upper room and filled with the Holy Ghost. And Peter said, he quoting Joel, he said that in the last days, the Lord said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. This is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel. The last days started 2,000 years ago. And the last days go the whole way up to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Daniel calls it the time of the end. Not the end of time now, but the time of the end. The run up to the coming of the Lord. The run up to the coming kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the last days is Pentecost till the second coming. Thirdly, that says, know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come. The word perilous here means dangerous times. Look at our world tonight. Dangerous times. Almost every continent. It's dangerous now. You look at the Middle East. Danger everywhere. Upheavals. Wars and rumors of wars. All over the world. There's different things happening. Even disasters and earthquakes and tornadoes. Tsunamis. All manner of things are happening. Volcanic eruptions. All over our world tonight. Dangerous times. Difficult times. Hard times. Grievous times. Is what it means by perilous times. The word times here is a word, keros. And Archbishop Trench in his Greek studies says this about perilous, dangerous times. A critical, epoch-making period foreordained of God when all that has been slowly and often without observation Ripening through long ages is mature and comes to the birth in grand decisive events which constitute at once the close of one period and the commencement of another. In other words, he says, there will be dangerous times. There will be wars and rumors of wars that will climax and collapse 
And it will build up again and collapse. And it will seem to be like we haven't noticed it. Then suddenly these things have come upon us. You look at the world. It's as if all of this has just happened in the last year. This has been happening, building up for 2,000 years. Here we have epoch-making periods and times that close one period in world history and open it to another. Now we started in Daniel chapter 2 and we'll put up, we've seen here that Daniel interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Nebuchadnezzar has the, the, the interpretation that he sees a man, Daniel sees a man with a head of gold, his belly and arms of silver, his thighs, uh, his thighs of brass and his legs of iron and legs of part of iron and part of clay. Daniel says unto Nebuchadnezzar, interpreting the dream, he says, Nebuchadnezzar, thou art this head of gold, the Babylonian empire. You are the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar. The next empire that would take over would be the Medo-Persian, which would be the Silver Empire. The next Persian, or the next empire that would take over the Medo-Persian Empire would be the Bronze or Brass Empire, which would be Alexander the Great and his Grecian Empire. The next empire that would take over that would be the Caesars of Rome and the Roman Empire, which took over at the time of our Lord when Pontius Pilate was governor in Judea. And then we have the feet of part iron and part of clay. This lasts right up to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are living tonight in this period. And how do we know? Because in Daniel chapter 2, the dream goes on. There is a stone cut out without hands that comes and smashes the image on his feet that are part of iron and part of clay. And the image totally collapses and is smashed. It becomes a great mountain in the earth and it fills the whole earth. This is the kingdom of God coming upon the earth. The kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Daniel 2, here are the kingdoms. Babylon, the head of gold, until the ten toes and the stone kingdom cut out without hands, the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we have in Daniel 7, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, sees a glorious man here, head of gold and so on. The Lord shows Daniel a dream. Daniel sees a winged lion and that represents Babylon. The Lord shows him also, secondly, a lopsided bear. Speaking of the Medo-Persian Empire, lopsided for their coalition government. Three ribs in his teeth, there are three provinces. We can't go into it tonight. We've already done that. Then he shows us a leopard with four heads and four wings. The four heads were four generals of, uh, of Alexander the Great. When Alexander the Great died, these four generals took the kingdom of the Grecian Empire, cut it into four and ruled over an empire each. Four provinces are the four wings. Four heads are the four heads of state, the four rulers. And of course then, in the, the beast at the bottom couldn't tell what sort of animal it was. That beast with ten horns represents the beast of iron, or the iron legs and the iron and clay feet, which is... The, the, the Caesars of Rome leading to the papacy, 
the Papal Roman Empire and the European Union where we are today. This beast here represents Europe and represents also the Roman Catholic Church led by the papacy. Now before we go any further, I've said it once, I'll say it before, again, this is not, I repeat, this is not to insult nor to hurt any Roman Catholic. This is to show them, to show everyone the system that they're bound by and living under. And this system is a wicked and a cruel system. God shows his view like a beast what this system is like. Out of these ten horns comes another little horn in Daniel chapter 7. And that is the rule of the papal Rome when the papacy comes out off the other horns. A little horn comes up. That is known as the horn or the little horn of the west. The little horn of the west. In Daniel chapter 8, there's another dream. Daniel chapter 8, we have a horned, a two-horned goat and a ram with a large horn in the center. And they come, the two-horned goat is the Medo-Persian Empire and it comes from the east to the west and the, the he-goat, it comes, or the ram, it com- and the he-goat comes with the one horn, clashes against one another. It represents the Grecian Empire. Alexander the Great is the notable horn of the goat. That notable horn breaks off and dies, signifying the death of Alexander the Great, or that brass kingdom, or the leopard kingdom. And when you read Daniel chapter 8, from that horn breaking off, as we're told, four notable horns come out of it. And from the four notable horns, out of one of them comes another horn. And that means it's the same as the four heads on the leopard, the four generals that come up after that. Nisander, Cassander, Nisamachus, Ptolemy, and Seleucid are the four generals. The Seleucid, he takes... Seleucius, he takes the the, the Arab people, that part of the empire where Alexander the Great ruled, he takes that quarter and he rules over that. And from that quarter comes another horn out of there. And it comes in 622 AD. And it's the false prophet Muhammad and the Islamic Mohammedan empire starts to rise up in the earth. So here we have the papal little horn of the west. And now we have the, the Islamic little horn of the East in Bible prophecy. And that's where we have been over the last eight weeks. Let us look for a moment then at Revelation chapter 16 for where we're going tonight. Verse 12 says, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the East might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now notice this, the dragon, the beast, the false prophet. What has to happen is the river Euphrates dries up. Now this is where I beg to differ with those who say before the coming of the Lord, the river Euphrates has to dry up. Friends, the river Euphrates, the actual Literal Euphrates has virtually dried up on many occasions. So it can't be a literal interpretation. It must mean something else. The river Euphrates was round the Fertile Crescent, 
where Abraham was called from. When you look at the land of Palestine and go right across where the Assyrian Empire was and head toward the east where Iraq is today, heading towards Persia or Iran, that whole fertile crescent was where Abraham came from, Ur of the Chaldees it's called. And that river Euphrates was a great river that ran there and irrigation came out the whole way down. You can imagine this cut in the landscape as the river comes across and all the vegetation growing. The people came and populated down along the area of the river. And as people, the population grew, so they irrigated further out and they were able then to take over that whole land mass. Now the river Euphrates was a great, and and still is a great, and a mighty river. So the people were sustained there. They were fed there. Their plants were watered there. And so these people around the river Euphrates, these people would have populated strongly and densely the area. Now the Turkish Islamic Ottoman Empire came, and it conquered the little horn of the east, conquered the whole region, right out almost as far as India, right into right into Egypt and some of North Africa, right across Palestine and right up to the southern border regions of of Russia. And they had this great vast empire called the Ottoman Empire. So here we have the Euphrates River must dry up. So keep that in your mind as we go, go a little further forward. So we have the Euphrates River will dry up first of all. Secondly, after that, it's to make way or prepare for the kings of the east. And then after that, we're told of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. The dragon is communism. We'll look at it in a moment. It's not only communism, but Marxism, from which it sprang from. Socialism also. And of course, much of Zionism. People don't like you to to say that today. But many of the Zionist Jews are actually communists who are even living in the land of Israelite today. And we're going to show you that a little later on, because I told you the word Antichrist means in opposition to, first of all. It means in the place of Christ, secondly. And thirdly, anti, according to the scripture, someone with the spirit of Antichrist is someone who denies the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we have went through those Whoever you think in your mind, who denies that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh? Who denies that Jesus is Son of God and Son of Man? Those who deny him, they are denying him, and that is the spirit of Antichrist. Now you read your scriptures, and every place that Antichrist is mentioned, that's what you'll be told. Okay, let's look a little into this end. The false prophet is thirdly, of course, Muhammad, 622 AD, the rise of Islam. Look last week in part eight of the seven times punishment of Israel and the house of Judah. The seven times punishment is found in Leviticus chapter 26. And the Lord says, if you walk contrary unto me, I will walk contrary unto you and I will punish you seven times more for your sin. Now, we read them out last week. We haven't time. Now, let's work out what seven times is again to refresh our mind. One time is 360. And a circle is 360 degrees. One time is 360. So if God's going to punish them for seven times, 
then seven times is seven times 360. Seven times 360 brings us to the number 2,520. Now there are two different scales in prophecy, main scales in prophecy, that is a day for, for a year and a day for a thousand years. Here, putting it as a day for a year, we have 2,520 years God said he would punish Israel if they walked contrary unto him. Now we looked at the house of Israel, the ten tribes in the north and their captives being taken captive and carried away. And we looked at their 2,520 years captivity last week, having time to go into it all. We looked at it finishing in 1776 A.D., And in that year, God started to rise up the United States, the 13 eastern seaboard colonies of the United States. And then the finish of their captivity was brought us to 1801, the union of Great Britain and Ireland. And of course, Great Britain becoming a great commonwealth of nations or company of nations in the earth. And we're going to show you how God used them in, in Bible prophecy, but also how God will use them again. We'll use them again. So please stay with me. It's all important for where we're going this evening. When we look at the two kingdoms of Israel, one was to the north, one was to the south. The house of Israel was to the north. The house of Judah was to the south. Israel are gone. Now we're looking at Judah. As I said last week, that's where the derivative name Jews come from, from Judah, from that tribe. In 606 BC, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army attacked the kingdom of Judah. And in the kingdom of Judah, many were taken away captive. And when we take the southern kingdom of Judah being carried away in 606 BC and take the seven times punishment of 2,520 years from that, it brings us to the year, we looked at this last week, 1914. Now, 1914 was the First World War. That was the end of that. Now keep, stay with me. They came again. The Nebuchadnezzar came and he took captive Jerusalem. 604 BC. 604 BC. And you take away 2,520 years for that captivity starting. And it ends in 1917. And we have told you about that. We're going to tell you again to bring you closer to where we are today. Dr. Aldersmith, I want to read this. I read it last week. I want to read it because it's very important for this evening. Dr. Aldersmith, who writes the book, The Fullness of the Gentiles, after our Lord Jesus saying, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And the times were the seven times punishment of the Gentiles ruling Jerusalem. He says, Jerusalem's going to be trodden down until this judgment's over. No man can shift it. So here we have Dr. Aldersmith in his book, written in 1896. Notice, written in 1896. Notice what he says, and he's a student of Bible prophecy. Listen to what he he writes. I quote him. One day, some slight trouble might light up a great European war. Note that. Some slight trouble might light up a great European war, which, will, which in the end may see the fall of Turkey. Notice, the fall of Turkey, 
Russia greatly extending her power and dominion in the east. The seven times may not have commenced until 604 BC. If so, as students of the prophetical word are agreed, that when the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled and Jerusalem ceases to be trodden down, we may expect it again to be placed into the hands of its rightful owners. This period may end about 1917. Only time will tell. That was written in 1896. He was a student of the prophetical word of God. Now let's look at this for a moment. In 606 BC, taking the seven times punishment, the First World War starts in 1914. That's when the seven times punishment ends. And Dr. Aldersmith's conclusion was, one day some slight trouble might light up a great European war. I touched on this slightly, but let me just open it for you for a moment. On the 28th of June, 1914, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife Sophie, he was thrown to the heir of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. They were in Sarajevo, uh, the capital of Bosnia and Herzegovina. And they were in an open top car and something slight happened that changed the world. Two shots rang out from a pistol or from a rifle. And the two shots, one went through the neck of Franz Ferdinand. Blood pumping from his veins in his neck, he turns to see his wife slump upon his lap and blood coming from her dress. And he cries to her, Sophia, Sophia. He says, stay alive for the children's sake. She dies and he dies too. The Austro-Hungarian and Germanic peoples go to Sarajevo to start the war. Britain gets involved and that was the spark of World War I. Is that a coincidence? Is that a coincidence or does that show you the truth and the accuracy, the divine origin of God's holy word? Think about these things. Dr. Aldersmith worked this out from Bible prophecy 21 years before it happened. Grattan Guinness in his book Light for the Last Days worked out 1917's prophecy. Said it's going to be a great time and that's me paraphrasing it. It's going to be an epic and epoch making time in 1917 according to the word of God. We'll look at that in a moment. And he wrote that in 1886. So here... Dr. Aldersmith tells us about these things. Here we're told that in the last days, dangerous, perilous times shall come. By the way, see where it says perilous times shall come? Know the Greek word, the Greek manuscript reads it? That in the last days, perilous times shall be set in place. God had a time and he says it's set in place. And friend, I want to tell you something. The day you'll stand before him, it's set in place. There's an appointed a day. There's an appointment for every man and for every woman to stand before the Lord in judgment who know not Christ. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. 
God said it's set in place. Why am I bringing this? To get people ready? Yes, for Christ is returning. Why am I saying this? That you would see the necessity and the need of you to have a saviour. It means it will be set in place. And this epoch-making time was certainly set in place by Almighty God. It led to World War I. 604 BC, the taking off Jerusalem. So that was the start of Jerusalem's trotting down of the Gentiles. 2,520 years or the seven times finishes in AD 17. General Edmund Allenby comes to the shores of Palestine with his British troops and Australian troops. And great battles are taking place. There he is. And great battles are taking place all around. There's bloodshed everywhere. We read from Isaiah 31 and 4. As a lion and a young lion standing over his prey, so the lion of Britain stood and stood and would not let go of the territory it had taken. Gaza and Tel Aviv were all under British control and under British power. But that's not the crux of the matter. Isaiah 31 and 5 was. It's Isaiah 31 and 5. I'll show you it in a moment. Listen to what Dr. Aldersmith said. Some slight trouble would light up a great European war, which in the end may see, notice, the fall of Turkey. Who's Turkey? Turkey's the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire that went right up the borders of Russia and right across the river Euphrates and populated the whole area. They were right into Iran and Iraq and they just dominated the whole place. They were so strong they could not be moved. Remember I told you the, the saying of, of, the, of the, the Turks? It says when water is piped from, from the Euphrates into Palestine, they said then God would send a prophet. And what happened? Allenby, when he took over, piped water from the Euphrates right into Palestine. And his name Allenby in Arabic means the prophet or the man from Allah. Are you telling me God didn't have a man in place to do something? God didn't say, well, I can move nations and get this general. He's a Christian general, by the way. He believes the word of God, and I'm going to use him for my honor and glory. See how God wants to use you too? Is this all coincidence? It says it would see the fall of Turkey. Revelation 16, verse 12 the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates and the waters thereof were dried up. What happened? The Turkish Ottoman Empire started to shrink and dry up because of the force of the British power. And right around the river Euphrates, they started losing territory the whole way until they became the Turkish Islamic Republic we have today. That was the drying of the river Euphrates. Listen, why would God need to dry a wee river up for to send jet planes and rockets and bombs and helicopters over? Come on. Very, very important. So, secondly, he says that Russia would greatly extend her dominion and her power in the east. You know what happened when the Euphrates dried up and the Ottoman Empire shrank? Russia started moving into all these little satellite nations. Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, all the Stan countries. He's, and they're all, Russian, they're all Islamic. Do you know today there's over 60 million, 60 million Muslims in Russia today? 
Over 60 million of them. And that's the whole population of Great Britain plunked into Russia if we were all Muslim. So Russia was greatly extending her power. The expanse of Turkey, 1914, was 613 square miles. 613 square miles. And by 1924, they had lost 438,000 square miles. And they were down to the size of 1,000, sorry, 175,000 square miles. Euphrates River had dried up. And what was it dried up for? To prepare the way for the kings of the east. To prepare the way for the kings of the east. The kings of the east. Here we have the false prophet in Turkey being diminished. Secondly, we have the dragon that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. As Russia expands, in 1917, General Allenby sends over his planes over Jerusalem. Little bi-wing planes. And he just fulfills Isaiah 31 and 5. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it. And passing over, he will preserve it. Not a shot, not a bomb was dropped. 12,000 Turks surrendered to the British Empire. And General Allenby walked into the Jaffa Gate. You see this picture here? No people in the city don't have pictures. See this picture? That's General Allenby on the exact date. But he gets off his horse at the Jaffa Gate and says, Only Christ the King will ride into Jerusalem. Sends over his planes as birds flying. And they surrender. So the dragon, the communism, 1917. Let me look at it a, a little bit further. In 1917 saw the birth. The exact year this happens, all this other stuff starts to break out in the world. It hadn't happened before. And Russia was ruled by the czars. But in 1917, the Bolshevik Revolution took hold. And the Bolshevik Revolution were a group of Soviets, Russian socialists, and they, they took hold of Marxism, which sprang into being about roughly 20 years beforehand. They took the ideology of, of Karl Marx. Karl Marx, by the way, was a Jew. So was Lenin. Trotsky. Keon Wiseman. If you know those names. There was no Israelite blood in them. And many like them moved into Israel. Khazars. Let's move on. Here we have the rise of it. The Bolshevik Revolution. And this Bolshevik Revolution took hold in Russia. And the czars of Russia of course were executed and done away with. The Soviet Union or the USSR was birthed. The Union of the Soviet Socialist Republics in 1922. That lasted to 1991. Fifteen republics were added to the borders of Russia. And what did Dr. Aldersmith say? After this, they would see what? We'd see the expanse of Russia. I'm hoping in this year's saying, God's word come alive. goes further for communism. Remember the Euphrates River dries up that the way of the kings of the east may prepare. In 1917, a young man called Mao Zedong, Chinese, he goes over into Russia. He takes on the Marxist, communist, socialist ideology. And he takes it to China. 
he starts the, uh, the China's Republic, Soviet Republic. And, of course, there's war in China. The Chinese nationalists are beaten back, and many of them escape to Taiwan. That's why you have trouble in Taiwan. They claim that part of the territory. The United States are backing Taiwan against China, even today. And so communism takes hold in China. The rising of the kings of the east after 1917, when Turkey, the Euphrates River, is dried up. And then after that, there was a, a, a young woman called Alexandra Kim. And this is also in 1917. She was in China and she was sent by the Chinese to mobilize with, 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 with some other people to try and take hold of a revolution that was happening in the far regions of China. She moved down into Korea and she met a young Korean fighter and his men called Wee. Yedong we Kim Rip. And they don't ask me to pronounce that. But that's what, what his name was. And they became the Korean Communist Party or the Korean People's Socialist Party on the 20th of June 1918. On the 25th of June 1950. They brought full communism in. The Korean War starts. And the Korean War with China and Russia backing the communists in Korea. And the United States, Australia and Canada Backing the South Korea. That's why you have North and South Korea today. An enormous Christmas sign. Do you see your Bible says that whenever that Euphrates River dries up. That it prepares the way of the kings of the east. Here we have Korea North. Here we have uh, uh, Russia expanding our borders. Here we have China. All the kings of the east starting to rise up. By the way the kings of the east actually gives the idea of the kings who sit at the rising of the sun. You can see your Bible coming to life. Know the days you're living in tonight. These are the days we are living in. Thirdly, we have the beast. That is the dragon. And we have the beast. That Rome and the European Union. Remember the feet of part iron and clay. And of course we told you that this great beast would be there to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. European Union. European Union has a poster. And it's, its original poster, it copied what they thought was a poster of the Tower of Babel. Remember the Tower of Babel that Nimrod built to reach heaven? This is their poster, their original poster of the European Union. Notice the shape of the stars. They're inverted to look like the head of the devil Baphomet. Notice what it says. I don't know if you can read it or not on that poster. Europe, many tongues, one voice. What did God do when Babylon and Nimrod was building his tower? He came down and saw the tower they were building to heaven. And he smashed the tower. He confused their language. What is the European Union doing? And the new world order, they're starting to gather together that which God had decimated. That's the European Union. The European Union and the Church of Rome is the main spiritual force behind the European Union. The Church of Rome have recently said that Hinduism and Islam are also fellow brothers and sisters on the same road to God. Ecumenism. I could bring you reams of this stuff. I could do this for months and months and show you. Ecumenism. 
Papal Rome is looking to ecumenize the whole world, not just to bring in brackets of separated brethren, the Protestants back in, but every religion under the sun. Rome comes, or European Union, this beast comes in three parts. Ecclesiastical, which is Roman Church. Secondly, is the political, which is the European Union. And third, economically, which is the world and the world economy. I want to tell you something that might surprise you. Do you see when you hear in the news the IMF, International Monetary Fund? See when you hear of the World Bank? You know what that is? That's the one world government. You know where it sprang from? Ignatius Loyola started the Jesuits. And they infiltrated every government. And there were sects started up like the Knights Templar and the Knights of Malta and the Illuminati. And they all gathered together and they have secret gatherings. And now they're all the political leaders. All heads of power of state. They have, they have great gatherings together. And you'll hear some of them mentioning we are looking for a new world order. I have something to tell you. There's going to be a new world order, but it's not theirs. It's the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and his new world order. The stone in Daniel 2 smashes this image on its feet. We have the banking. There's Jewish banking. The Bilderbergers and the Goldman Sachs. And there's so many of them. And they, they, they lend money to governments. And the governments fight their wars. And so the governments tax the, tax the people, tax you and tax me. We become slaves to the government. The government are slaves to the interest and to them. And round and round and round it goes. Until they manipulate the whole world. You may think that's far-fetched. That's what's happening when you turn on. The United Nations, that's another one. Of course, the European Union... As we've seen. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19 tells us of the coming of our Lord. And it says our Lord will come. And let your eye run down to Revelation chapter 19 please. To verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written on that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth went a sharp, goeth a, a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. Note that. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God Almighty, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I have something to tell you. People tend to think, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, nice and effeminate, he's going to come and say, there, there, now, everything's okay. Friends, we are told when Christ returns, he comes with the armies of heaven, and the skies will roll back like a scroll, and every eye shall see him. And he will come to set up his kingdom. And he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. He'll rule the nations with a rod of iron. His name is the king above all kings. And the lord above all lords. Half the close. Thank you for your attention tonight. 
1917 when Allenby fulfilled the seven times punishment in the house of Judah or Jerusalem. We had what was known in Portugal as the visions of Fatima. Or the visions of Our Lady of Fatima as it's known. In Portugal, three poor shepherd children, Lucia de Santos and Jacinta and Francisco Marto. Three children proclaimed that they saw Mother Mary. They saw the Virgin Mary. On the 13th day over six consecutive months in 1917, after the seven times was fulfilled, allegedly Mary appeared to these three shepherd children. Many gathered. Some say there were thousands and thousands gathered on the hillside. And the alleged Virgin Mary promised a miracle. Notice in Mary's words allegedly, so that all would believe. So that all would believe. People say on that day, there's what is known as was the miracle of the sun. We're told that the sun turned around as though it had bright burning lights. Some say the sun danced in the sky. And the three children said they saw the holy family on that day as well. The shepherd child, Lucia, is reported to have asked Mary, Note, would the three children go to heaven when they died? Mary is reportedly to have replied, Yes, but saying, I shall take Francisco and Jacinta, but you will remain a little longer since Jesus wishes you to make me known and loved in the earth. He wishes also for you to establish devotion in the world to my immaculate heart, allegedly said Mary. Know what the Lord tells me in his word? Exodus chapter 20. I shall love the Lord thy God. Jesus said, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And thou shalt have no other gods before me. I shalt not bow down to any image. This was a lying spirit in Fatima. The Holy Spirit of God is given to us to exalt and to magnify, to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, he shall take of mine and give it unto you. Christ and Christ alone is to be glorified in all of the earth since he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So-called Father Harold Colgan in 1948, started up what's known as the World Apostolate of Fatima, or otherwise known as the Blue Army of Mary. And so he had a banner. Do you want to know what the banner looks like? Here it will come on the screen. The Blue Banner of Mary. There it is. See if you've got that in your car, take it off. See, if you go into a church and they're flying that flag, walk back out. This is the flag of the beast and of a lying spirit. And there are 12 stars on it. You know why? Revelation 12, they steal the glory of our Christ by talking about the woman clothed with the sun. And upon her head were 12 stars. That is Israel in the wilderness. 
Listen, what do I tell you? Some people say that's the church. They say it's the Roman church. The church didn't give birth to Christ. Christ gave birth to the church. And they're telling you, this is the church. This is the Roman Catholic church. This is the blue army flag of Mary. Listen to what the father, this self-professed, proclaimed church father said. The promotion or the general purpose of the Blue Army was the promotion of the authentic teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. The personal sanctification of adherence through faithful adherence to the message of Fatima. He said, we want you to hear the faithful teaching of the lion visions of Fatima. And thousands upon thousands are going to hell because of it. The spirits of devils working miracles in the earth, the Lord says. Closing. Also in 1917, the operations of Mary, on the operations of Mary, Pope Pius XII, on those operations in 1917 rather, 1952, Pope Pius XII said, just a few years ago we consecrated, notice, we consecrated the entire human race to the immaculate heart of the Virgin Mary. Mother of God. So today we consecrate in a most special manner. We entrust all the peoples of Russia to this immaculate heart. The European Union's anthem, Ode to Joy, also known as the Council of Europe anthem, Ode to Joy, goes like this. Praise to joy the God descended. Notice, daughter of Elysium. Ray of mirth and rapture blended. Goddess to thy shrine we come. By thy magic is united. What stern custom parted wide, all mankind our brothers plighted, where thy gentle wings abide. Goddess of Elysium. Elysium was a Greek goddess, and she was known as the goddess of the mysteries. Mystery, Babylon the Great. The mother of harlots and abominations of the whole earth, says the scriptures. Where will they find it? Turn to it and we'll read it as we close. Revelation 17 and verse 5. Verse 4. And the woman was a red and purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. So what's next? Well, we'll have to tell you next week. Revelation 16. We're being gathered to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Jesus says in verse 15, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place in the Hebrew tongue called Armageddon. And see from seven, verse 17 onward, we'll see how we get on next week. Verse 17 onward, you'll see what is known as Armageddon. Hail falling out of heaven. Many believing this is nuclear holocaust. 
You know where you are? You're right at the feet of this. Where Jesus says, you're blessed if you're ready. I'm coming. Look at the nations. What is happening? He says, if you're not ready, I'm coming. Nuclear holocaust will come. And when I come, I'll smite the nations with a rod of iron. And I said, you'll stand before me. For your judgment is set in place before me. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Are you ready, watching, waiting and praying for the coming of the Lord? It draweth nigh. God bless you. Thank you for your attention. There was a lot in that, wasn't there, again? Give you something to chew on for the rest of the week. Be knowing this where you are. See, when you read about Europe, you read about Greece and, and Italy and Republic of Ireland and Spain and Portugal. Start praising God. People, oh, what about my money? What about your money? I'm looking for the Lord. Never mind your money. I'm looking for glory. See the world banking collapse. You see all these things that are happening in the earth. The Lord's shaking the earth. I'm coming soon. Get ready. He's given you every opportunity. He's given you every chance. And friend, if death does not take you first, then you will stand before him. But if death does not take you first, you will see him come. And you, even Christian who's lethargic and slacking off and lagging behind, Christ will exact that from you, wanting to know what you are doing with that which he gives you to trade with, since he is saying, Occupy till I come. God bless you. I'm going to start preaching again. I better shut up and go home. Bless his name. Bless his holy name. Next week we'll do part 10. See how we're getting closer. Don't know what way we'll go next week, but we're, we're looking at it. You know, the Lord Jesus says, We sang the sun, the moon, and the stars. And people saw a lying sign in the sun. But you know, the woman clothed Israel going across the west in the wilderness, he was clothed with the sun, the moon, and the stars. That was Joseph and his dream being interpreted in Genesis. So we have to look at where they went and went west. So we have to look at turmoil in Europe and across that direction. That's where the, it's governments and kingdoms. That's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing tonight. Christ is returning. Let's go home before.